Hey, Jen, want to talk about below-the-belt grooming? Cut it out. Great. Today we're going to discuss genital hygiene and grooming, the pros, the cons, and motivations for doing it. Let's do it. Welcome to the Intimate Covenant Podcast, where we believe the Bible and great married sex both belong on your kitchen table. That's right, we're talking about holy, covenant-bound, intimate relationships with hot sex. We're Matt and Jen, founders of Intimate Covenant. We offer biblical teaching and resources to help married couples achieve a fuller relationship and an extraordinary sex life. For more information, visit our website, intimatecovenant.com. Welcome, friends. Good to have you with us again for another episode. We appreciate you all being here, and we're excited to put some more content out there, as always. Here we go. And um, we wanted to mention, in fact, we just finished recording uh, an episode on a uh, similar podcast on the Marriage Puzzle podcast. Yes, Thomas and Julie Hobby are the host of the Marriage Puzzle podcast, and we got to do an interview with half of them. (laughs) Uh, Julie is currently in the hospital on bed rest awaiting their fourth child. And so Thomas is holding down the fort in the podcast world and reaching out to other um, marriage podcast podcasters. Yes. And so we were... And he reached out to us. Yeah. So we were honored and happy to uh, take part in that. So if this episode this week is not enough of a dose of us, or you're just not happy about this topic, you can jump over (laughs) to the Marriage Puzzle podcast uh, with Thomas uh, and Jen and I, and you can hear that conversation over there. Yes. Uh, we hope you'll do so. We, we, we feel like it was a, it was a fun conversation. Uh, we feel like we, we covered a lot of good ground, and, and uh, so we certainly enjoyed that. Uh, today's episode comes from a live stream conversation that we just had with our Covenant Club friends. Yeah. Um, and so if you're not familiar, Covenant Club, of course, is our online community uh, we've got lots of uh, fun things going on over there, uh, but we certainly wanted to we wanted to carry that conversation over to the podcast to share some of the things that we talked about. But right. we also wanted to use this as an opportunity to invite you, if you're not part of Covenant Club yet, we wanted to invite you to join us uh, in that community. Right. Not just so that you can take part in all of the fun opportunities and right. conversations and discussions that we have over there. But we also want just to remind you and let you know that it is also, even if you don't take part in the live stream, for instance, it is a way that you can help us financially. Yes, um, You can help us pay the bills. Things like website hosting and podcast hosting and purchasing new recording equipment and right. microphones and video cameras and all of those things, all of that costs money, of course. And uh, podcasts, putting out a free podcast um, by definition does not pay the bills. Right, right. All of this um, continues to get more and more expensive for us. And we want to add more features um, to this podcast and to, to what we're doing. Um, but we need your help. Yeah, and, and including features like 
indexing uh, searchable transcripts for every episode. Yeah. So if you have a question, you can go to this database and type in your uh, your keywords and perhaps find some podcast episodes that might be relevant because right. not everybody has listened to all 98 now podcast yeah, episodes. We have almost produced 100 podcasts, all of which have been free for you all. Um, but you should know that each of those podcasts require um, pretty big amounts of prep time, um, recording time, time to edit and upload. Um, and, and we love that. We love doing this for you guys, but we are also asking you to come alongside us and support us in this endeavor. Yeah. So currently there, there's three levels of support in Covenant Club. You can go to the website and learn a whole lot more about what features are available um, with with that, uh, but including discussion forums and interactive live streams and video recordings and other resources, uh, all of those things are available with varying levels of, of Covenant Club. But we also wanted to announce that there is a new level of support that is just simply our Patreon support level. Yeah, for as little as $5 a month, you could come alongside and support us as a Patreon supporter. I mean, $5 a month is... Less than a cup of coffee. Depending on where you get your coffee. $5 a month is like right at the cost of just one gallon of gas these days, right? That's <laughs> <laughs> so true. But, you know, $5 a month is generally not going to break many people's banks, but we do want you to know that $5 a month would mean a lot to us. Absolutely. And at that level, as a Patreon supporter, you will have access to our weekly newsletter, which is a new feature that we're getting ready to start. The weekly newsletter is going to include a weekly challenge question um, for you to use to encourage and spark conversation in your marriage. Yeah, it's really a discussion starter yeah. um, for, for you and your spouse. And, and we base the, the topics, uh, we, we rotate through the various realms of intimacy uh, and again, just designed to kind of encourage and spark that conversation between you and your spouse. Right. So there's a lot of stuff we would like to do. Um, what's the most common thing said to us, Matt? <laughs> it, it starts with, hey, you know what you guys, you guys should do? Should do? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and we love you for saying that and know that we want to. But we need a little bit more support in order to take this to the place that I think it can it can grow. Yes. Um, and so we don't mean to beg, but we are humbly asking you to consider um, whether or not you can come alongside and support us financially, even at just $5 a month, um, so that we can keep doing what we're doing, keep providing this free content, and even then grow this content into something more and bigger um, to help support your marriage. You guys are amazing at sending us um, just awesome and humbling messages of support. Um, and so we hear you. We know that this is resonating with you all. Um, and so if at all possible, we're asking you, um, we just want you to know that a, another place you could support us would be financially so that we can keep doing this and yes. providing this content. And if nothing else, just share the podcast and get on iTunes and rate and review the podcast. That goes a long way to supporting us as well. Uh, if you if you want to learn more about that, go to our website, intimatecovenant.com, um, and go to the um, members page, intimatecovenant.com slash members, mm -hmm. uh, and that'll give you some options there for how you might come alongside and join us uh, in this journey. Right. So 
Like okay, we said. Enough, enough about us. Enough about us. The episode today comes from the live stream conversation we've had. Now, I'm saying live stream funny because <laughs> we just learned that the word webinar is dating us. Yeah, our our, our 19-year-old son said, Dad, what are you Mom, doing? nobody says webinar anymore. <laughs> so we had been referring to these monthly conversations as webinars. Maybe that's why, you know, maybe, maybe that has kept people away because they're like, I'm not going to a business meeting. Yeah, now that we call we, it a live stream, I'm sure we'll have hundreds of more I mean, they're going to flood in at this point. But In any- either case, it's a live interactive conversation um, and... One of the topics that was brought up anonymously, and, and mm-hmm. there are anonymous ways to participate if, if you're wondering, right. but um, the an anonymous question came in that we covered there in the live stream, and we wanted to kind of bring some of those points here to the podcast and share it with everyone. Right, um, right, right. There's a lot of great conversations that happen on Covenant Club that we can't share. You know, we don't have the ability to to share with everyone through the podcast. Um, But every once in a while, we can take that nugget and expand it here onto the podcast. And so this is one of them. Um, So so without further ado, read the question. Yeah, so the question was, so oral sex comes up at various times on the podcast. For whatever reason, grooming, trimming, or otherwise preparing for that seems like an uncomfortable topic. It's not that it necessarily is gross or anything. It's just, I can't imagine that anyone wants that, I can't get the hair out of my mouth feeling during sex. (laughs) (laughs) And there, are there other reasons why this would be good? Are there reasons you should not do this? What's the solution and how can this not be a weird conversation? (laughs) I want to say to this person, uh, welcome to my life. It's full (laughs) of weird conversations. (laughs) Also... We, we laughed about this on our live stream with, with our Covenant Club members, but we are all curious, was this person thinking that the uncomfortableness was on their part or for you and I? To which, you know, the reality is at this point, there's really nothing that's uncomfortable. Are you uncomfortable with this topic, Jen? Uh, yeah, I am. <laughs> I'm uncomfortable with most of these topics, and yet, here I am. Here we are. Here we are. But... I understand that there is uncomfortableness to to this topic, to a lot of these topics, but specifically when it comes to considering our hygiene and our grooming habits in the in the private areas, if mm-hmm. you will, mm-hmm. of our genitals, that's uncomfortable. So the question is, lean into that. What is actually making this topic uncomfortable? All right. I think that's a good place to start and is what is, what makes this topic uncomfortable for you? And maybe it's just because it is a topic of some sexual relevance that certainly can be uncomfortable for many people for many reasons. And I think right. that's a good reason for us to stop and, and think about why that's uncomfortable to talk about this with our spouse, at least. Right. Um, it doesn't have to be something that is awkward or uncomfortable with your spouse, but it might be. And, and understandably, we're all at different places of growth in that part of our relationship. Right. Uh, but that said, if, if it's some, if it's, if it's a suggestion that I'm making to my spouse about their hygiene or their grooming practices, I think it's wise to at least acknowledge that that it, when you talk about hygiene issues, that's something that could be taken quite personally. Right, right. And it could even be seen as 
a rejection. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, for something that is very, very personal, when you're offering a suggestion, th- that person's very likely to hear that suggestion as a rejection yes. of who they currently are. Yeah. And I think the other part of this is regardless of where the that hesitancy is coming from, some part of that might be uh, a, re- a disgust reaction. In other words, there are certain smells or tastes or practices or things that just simply, they just don't agree with who I am, you know, like asparagus or whatever it might be, you know, there are, <laughs> there are always things that are a matter of personal taste and that is just a, that's just a, a different level of, of yeah. uncomfortableness, right? Right, right, right. So you might be uncomfortable about your spouse's um, genital hygiene habits or their grooming habits. Uh, or lack thereof. Or lack thereof because for you it means something different than what it means to them. Yeah, and it, and may, so, not be, it may not even be personal. It may not even be a morality thing. It may not be a, a you know, it, it, just, it may not be any kind of preference on your part other than it's just that you have a, an innate reaction to it. And so right. that can certainly make the conversation a little bit more challenging if one or both of you have these sort of built in, if you will, responses. Now, there's a whole nother episode that we talk about um, the disgust reaction and how to address that, how to sure. sometimes overcome that. Right. So it's not that just because it's within you that you can't change it. Uh, but it does add another layer to the conversation. It certainly does. And so I think that's all the more if there is a part of you that is that is triggered, the disgust factor is triggered within you by something your spouse is doing, that's blocking intimacy. Right. And you've got to own that and be aware of that and then be willing to lean into the uncomfortableness of bringing that up. Right. So before we, we, we do want to kind of get into like the pros and cons and some of the different motivations for why someone would want to practice more direct and specific genital grooming and hygiene. Um, but before we do that, we've got to kind of define some of our terms yes. and talk about at least what are some of the different methods. Because I can't right. talk about pros and cons until we understand what it is that we're actually talking right. about. Right. So... The question was specifically kind of about, um, you know, shaving or grooming, and but I think within that big broader context is the questions about just hygiene in general. Yes. And so I think starting with this idea of cleaning, sometimes what one spouse wants is just to know that the area that they're about to engage with is clean. Right. Right. And so you've got to consider, okay, what are what are the cleaning methods that I can or should use? Um, and certainly when it comes to cleaning of our genital areas, um, soap and water is sufficient, right? Just in, in almost using every case. commonplace soap and water. Um, often a mild soap is going to be mm-hmm. better, especially for, for women, just to make sure that there's nothing that's going to be irritating, you know, fragrance-free yeah. um, is and generally it, recommended. Im- yeah, and it's important to make sure that you're getting in all the cracks and crevices when you're cleaning um, down there and everywhere else, frankly. Right. Uh, but but using just simply soap and water. I mean, there are a, there's a myriad of products out there that are 
supposedly designed specifically for genital cleaning. Um, most of those products are probably unnecessary and there's no reason for them to be any more specific than just simple soap and water that you would clean right. every other body part with. But there are things that are out there that are designed for genital cleaning, if you will. Right. And there's also things out there designed for cleaning of the actual um, vaginal cavity. Um, you know, internal cleanings, uh, cleaners li- like douching, um, are generally, though, not recommended. Or needed. Uh, or needed, right. Your, your vagina is kind of a self-cleaning mechanism. Um, you really don't need to do anything. And I know certain people, you know, feel the need after a period or after a sexual encounter to clean out. Um, but your body does that. God, God is good. Yeah. He created it to clean itself. Um, so obviously we're not doctors. Well, you are. But you're not this kind of doctor. (laughs) So consult your doctor. But I am going to recommend that, you know, again, mild soap and water are pretty, pretty self-sufficient. Yeah. And most of the fragrances and odors are not coming from inside. They're really coming from the outside anyway. Right. Uh, So that's where you can clean. And so if, if there's aversion to odors and fragrances and tastes, sometimes just taking a shower beforehand or offering for your spouse to take a shower beforehand before sexual encounter right. that may be sufficient to alleviate a lot of the, and the, the and, problems and there is nothing wrong with that i mean right. if that's going to help your spouse be more open to an encounter with you why wouldn't you take that additional right. step <laughs> right you know it, it's not like taking a shower is out of the ordinary i hope right. not right it, it should not it should be. be something that you're used to doing. <laughs> yeah. But Matt, you talked about odors and fragrance fragrances. And, you know, I think some methods to help deal with odors and fragrances would be, um, like we were saying, cleaning. But there's also some deodorants that mm-hmm. are out there on the market that are intended for genital regions, um, various products for both men and women. Yeah. So if you're you self- give those yeah. a try. If you're self-conscious, you could do that and that might alleviate some of that anxiety or... If you feel like your spouse maybe needs to take their hygiene to the next level, that's certainly something that you could provide or offer or suggest. I think, though, where a lot of times um, odors and fragrances kind of, well, where we kind of tend to get blocked with odors is especially when you're talking about oral sex. Right. And so I think... um, Something that could be very useful for somebody who maybe just innately has that disgust reaction Mm -hmm. that gets triggered by smells or taste would be to consider things like flavored lubes. Um, This can help block those just natural. I mean, even a clean body has different smells and tastes to it. It's it's the way that you're made. I mean, you just have a natural fragrance. There's not much you can necessarily do about that. Right. And so if if your disgust trigger is kind of, um, you know, put on alert by that, don't just say, no, I don't do that. Maybe lean into the fact that you could use some products to help you get over that. Yeah. So, and and that goes both ways. If, If you're a husband who is, or I mean, either way, I guess if you're the giver of oral sex and you have, you get hung up on fragrances, this might be a product for you. If you're hesitant to receive oral sex because you're concerned about fragrances and odors, a flavored lube or deodorant might also be a good thing for you to consider. So again, the, the, the hangup can go both ways. So something that could be suggested. The, The other part of this then is, is the hair. 
there's, yes. there's <laughs> what what did what was the question? Uh, nobody. I can't imagine that anyone wants that quote. I can't get the hair out of my mouth feeling during sex. It's just such a lovely image, isn't it? Well, but it's but it's real, <laughs> and that's where we that's are. Right. It's a real problem. It's a real concern in some cases, and so. There is, I mean, there, there's no avoiding it. I mean, you're naturally speaking, there is hair down there mm-hmm. and hair uh, can and will potentially get in the way of giving or receiving oral sex. Yes. It, it could get in the way of other aspects, even outside of oral sex. So there are some ways to remove hair that is down there. But first, it's, it's helpful to recognize that you don't necessarily have to remove all of your hair um, or even address all of the hair. There certainly are regions of hair that are kind of commonly referred to right. um, that some folks remove or, or trim or whatever else it might be. So specifically, we're talking about like some folks prefer to leave at least some of their hair in what's called the bikini region. So they're removing hair outside of the regions that would sort of be associated with panty lines or underwear lines. Right, right. Along the inside of the the inner thighs and sometimes even removing some hair from across the top. Um, and so that just kind of helps contain sure. the hair. So Con- confines the boundaries, if you will. Yes. And and then there's the, the term that's commonly used is Brazilian, which is the process of removing all of the hair or nearly all of the pubic hair. Right. Um, so those are kind of two at least common regions. The other region is the perineum, which is that region between your genitals and your anus, um, kind of in that butt crack region. That's can, I, can I say that on the podcast? Sure you can. Okay, so we just <laughs> did. Um, so th- that's also another area that people will groom uh, or trim or, or shave hair. Right. Well, and you 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 can remove hair, but you can also consider... Um, trimming the hair, like you just said. So it may not be that you want to go all the way bare in certain places, but you might consider, do I want it to be shorter? Sure. And sometimes shorter is all that's necessary or all that's all that is needed to be more helpful um, in, especially when, when referring to like oral sex or whatever, just getting the hair shorter kind of keeps things out of the way, um, right. so to speak. And there are various methods of this trimming or, or especially of removing the hair. I mean, you can just use a regular old razor. Yep. Whatever you're using to shave your face or your legs um, is you also that. that, you know, the, the classic Bic razor. Um, that certainly is an option. Obviously, there are pros and cons to using that methodology, but um, another option is a trimmer. There's um, lots of personal trimmers on the market for both men and women Yes, that are small, designed to easily be used and get into all of the areas um, where you're looking yeah. to remove and, that And hair. designed to be safer for those more delicate regions right. as well. Right. They're not the same kind of trimmers that you would use like on your head. Yes. Um, or or whatever. So uh, a, a third option is um, chemical epilation, which sounds horrible and use that term, but really that's just, those are just products that are designed to um, go onto your skin that help to eliminate the hair follicles or discourage growth, hair growth from those hair follicles in that region. Right. So you might be familiar, like the most, one of the most popular ones uh, a while back was something called Nair. For designed to remove hair on girls' women's legs. Yeah. Um, 
the, but they make similar products for the bikini regions for, and for men and women. Uh, right. So that's also an option. And then there's the option of waxing. Um, and, and that's looking to remove, not just cut the hair, but totally remove the hair follicle. Yeah, it pulls um, the hair all the way from the root. And so it doesn't grow back nearly as quickly and right. makes a, no. a pretty smooth It's a little experience. bit difficult to wax all by yourself. So yeah. usually waxing is done by a professional, which adds a whole other element to sure. this, right? Right. So now that we've kind of covered the methods and means of hair trimming and grooming and styling, if you will, um, <laughs> Lovely. after the break, let's talk about some of the pros and cons and some of the motivations for why one might want to do this in the first place. Sounds good. After the break. Ah, summertime. Time for relaxing by the pool or on the beach putting your feet up and taking it easy, soaking in the warmth of the summer sun. Whose world do you live in? More like time to pack and unpack the endless bags, shuttling kids to camp and to grandma's house and to the family reunion, crammed in the minivan for hours on end, sleeping in uncomfortable beds, all while sweating buckets in the heat and humidity. Sounds like you need something refreshing and relaxing to look forward to. And I know just the thing, the annual Intimate Covenant Marriage Retreat. So true. Looking forward to the rest and relaxation we'll be having at the Intimate Covenant Marriage Retreat this fall. That's the perfect way to survive the chaos of the summer months. The 2022 Marriage Retreat will be held at the Springwoods Marriott in the Woodlands, Texas, on September 22nd through the 24th. Our theme this year is Extraordinary Lovers, taking your marriage from good to great. Jen and I will present some new and challenging and fun sessions designed to encourage conversations with your spouse. But don't worry. You'll have plenty of time for rest, refreshment, and relaxation with your beloved. It'll be the perfect recovery from your busy summer and getting those kids back to school. Register now at our website, intimatecovenant.com retreat. Space is limited and it's filling fast, so register today. You can save your spot with just a $200 deposit. Now, go enjoy your summer and don't forget the sunscreen. And we're back from the break. Uh, Let's move the conversation now to consider the pros and cons. Yeah. Of like, below the belt hygiene. And he he asks and he, well, he, I don't know if it's a he or she. I'm making <laughs> assumptions, aren't I? Are there other reasons why this would be good? That's the part of and the are, question. And are there reasons you should not do this? Yes. So, so let's get into what are pros and cons of obviously paying attention to your hygiene, but specifically considering um, your hair and whether or not to trim it, remove it, etc. Right. And I, we've kind of gotten into the, some of the benefits of at least taking care of, you know, odors and fragrances, but why would someone want to shave or groom hair down there or why would you want your spouse to do that? Right. Um, I think that's kind of where it boils down to. And 
I think the first one, which we've already kind of already talked about, is just general hygiene motivations. Right. In, um, it is assumed, at least, that hair can be a cause of trapping odors. And so there may be um, a, a motivation there to, you know, trim the hair up just to help keep the odors from from being trapped. But obviously, just general hygiene, it's not rocket science as to why that's a pro, sure. taking care of your hygiene. Sure. And, and the other, you know, motivation might just simply be that you or your spouse likes the way that it looks. And that's okay. And that's okay. I mean, everybody has preferences and you might prefer, and it's okay to prefer that you like the way that it looks naturally too. That's right? perfectly fine too. Right. Um, Just know. start naming and, and thinking through why do I prefer one or what the other? What's, what is my why? Yeah. Now, another, I think, important motivation here, at least one that is named by um, many who prefer it one way or the other, is that it just simply allows for easier access. Yes. I mean, as the question said, nobody wants a mouthful of hair. Sure. Lovely way to state that, but that's, that's very true. Like, that's calling it what it is, sure. right? So when there is less hair, oral sex is easier on both partners. Yes, and, and not just oral sex. I, I would even include manual stimulation, um, even just the visual sight of no hair allows you to see more of what's right. happening there, right. particularly um, since the women's genitalia is quite hidden um, underneath hair, um, naturally speaking. The, right. the, the other, the, you know, even intercourse or other forms of sexual interaction are... Um, sometimes more accessible if there's less hair. So, right. And that can just make it then more comfortable for both parties, but especially for the giver um, of, if we're talking about oral sex, right. um, you know, that's just more enjoyable for them. Yeah. And I, I think another, uh, other than the easier access, um, it also is just going to provide a different sensation. Right. And, you know, I'm not, saying that it is better or worse necessarily, but even just the fact that it is a different sensation, whether it feels different in intercourse or whether it feels differently with oral sex or manual stimulation with no hair, again, for the giver and the receiver. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it male is, and female. Male and female. It's right. going to feel different um, with sexual activity um, when there's no hair versus when there is hair. So again, right. just changing it up. And that really can lead to the fact that it's going to feel different all during the day, just regular daily activities. Mm-hmm. I mean, frankly, for someone who's maybe a responder who doesn't tend to think about sex very naturally or easily, changing up the way that your body feels is going to send your brain cues of, Oh, that doesn't feel the same, right. which can lead you to more easily accessing sexual thoughts about your beloved. Yeah, just reminding you of, of your sexuality um, can can be a good thing and can be a reasonable motivation for doing something like this. Right. Uh, and, and I think that just all gets to this idea of novelty. And yeah. maybe this is something that we'll kind of expand and talk about maybe in another episode sometime about this the, just doing something new. And, and sometimes... Adding change just for the sake of change is, it can be energizing, mm-hmm. it can add fun and play into the the sexual relationship. It just, 
some it's a place to create a new spark for right. passion uh, just by doing something different whether it you know not even necessarily that you're trying to make it better or um, you're just trying to make it different well and I think that's an important point that you're making there Matt is that it's not a condemnation on what was before mm-hmm. change is not saying it was bad and I need better. It's just different. And when you're talking about the longevity of a marriage, Lord willing, you know, you've got a lot of years together. It's okay to say, let's try something new. Let's add something new in just for the sake of change. Absolutely. I mean, just for example, if you get a new hairstyle or, or a new outfit, you see yourself differently. You appreciate that change. You, yeah. you see, you, and you it, it adds something to the way that you see yourself. Um, it, that's why you do it the, um, in part. And right. if you're the, uh, on the the other side of this, if your spouse has this new style, again, outfit, haircut, whatever, you're going to see them differently. Right. So again, it, it's just a way to change perspective, change things up, so that you can add a little bit of spark. Right. I think that's right. So that's maybe some of the pros. If you think there's more pros, email us or yeah, send if us we a miss, message. If we missed some benefit to uh, grooming and hygiene, let us know. We, we definitely right. hear from you. But let's get into what are the cons. What are the reasons that someone might be resistant to either changing things for themselves or um, or just logistically to their spouse changing things. Yeah. And and maybe even logistically we'll talk about some of that, but I think one important one is the stigma that might be associated with, um, grooming and paying attention to hygiene in, in the genital regions. Um, and, and that's because there's for right or wrong, there is sometimes an association of, um, of shaving or grooming genitals with pornography and even prostitution. Mm -hmm. Um, So understandably, if that's connected in your mind, then you may be resistant to doing that, doing it yourself or allowing your spouse to do it. It would certainly um, change your perspective. Now, just because something is portrayed in pornography doesn't make it wrong. Right. But if it's leading you down a, a, the wrong path mentally or spiritually or emotionally, um, if it's leading you down the wrong path, then obviously we're not going to ad- advocate that you violate your conscience. Absolutely. Or that, you will, or that you pressure your spouse to violate their conscience. Right. That said, there can be some redemption that happens when you make this about you and yes. your beloved. So if you, right, exactly, I love the way that you use that phrase, redemption. If, if you take this and do it for the sake of your relationship and mm-hmm. um, reclaim this in a relationship that is godly and holy and right, then more power to you. Then, then right. we potentially have a victory there. So right. again, obviously not trying to force this on anybody, but it is something that in and of itself, grooming and shaving and and removing hair or growing hair or using products or not products, none of that is right or wrong from a moral standpoint. Right. And I think that's important to recognize. I I think a lot of this ties back often to family of origin. And when your body is not even talked about, like your parents don't even help you understand your body, your body parts are just lumped into the phrase private parts. Mm -hmm. You may just feel an innate sense of shame 
about everything. Right. And so the thought of paying specific attention to grooming you know, that area may make you just uncomfortable because right. you are just uncomfortable, period. Mm-hmm. But as we're always encouraging here on this podcast, lean into that and identify that. Yeah. What What is the resistance? Right. I think another um, stigma that might be associated with this is the f- is, and I've heard some objections. Some people object to doing this, especially doing it to for p- women practicing um, shaving. Uh, is that it? It promotes or is an attempt potentially to emulate a juvenile appearance. Hmm. Um, and you know, I don't know. I don't know what people's motivations are. It would be. I guess, pretty sick and twisted if that is your motivation for wanting your spouse to do something like that. But I suppose that's a possibility. I don't know. I mean, I would say even if you shave a a grown woman's genitalia, it's not going to look like a a juvenile's genitalia. It's still going to look grown up. Right, right, right. But not everybody feels that way. I guess I can understand if that's the objection. If there's some legit- legitimacy to that, then obviously, like we said before, we're not trying to force this on anybody. Absolutely not. We're just bringing out the conversation that you need to be Absolutely, having. Yeah. That's not, right. Not uh, recommending this one way or the other, right? Right, we're just, right. We're, we're just talking. Just talking. We're very good at just talking. Just talking. <laughs> you got to make your own decisions. That's right. I think another potential con for this is that it just requires regular attention, right? I mean, if you're going to keep up with shaving or removing the hair, well, hair grows back. It, and so you, you're going to have to stay on top of it. And, you know, if you're considering just shaving or trimming the hair, so not fully removing it, just making it shorter, um, then you've got to think about what's it going to be like to have that stubble that might mm-hmm. be growing back. Because often, pokey stubble is way worse than just having uncut hair. So yeah. Yeah. you're going to have to carefully consider what will this feel like in another week when now or, or all another that... couple of days. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Uh, uh, if, 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 you know, is it worse to have Long hair down there or sandpaper? Which would be worse? I don't know. Yes. You're going to have to decide. So (laughs) unless you're willing and able to invest in taking the time to keep it up, then obviously there's going to have to be some forethought into that. Right. And when it comes to waxing, to fully removing, I mean, that's great, but it's still going to grow back. And so you're looking at probably needing to repeat this anywhere from every three to four weeks when you first start to maybe six weeks um, in order to maintain that look and feel. And Mm -hmm. frankly, that hair's got to grow out a little bit in order to be waxed off again. So you've got to deal with that whole process. Now, hair that's growing out is going to feel different than hair that has been cut and then is, you know, a stubble if you're shaving it or trimming it. So it'll feel differently. But anyhow, still, you've got to pay some close attention. And it it requires maintenance. I guess that's the bottom line. So um, that that can be a downside. Can be a downside. And, you know, again, if you're if you're shaving, you're potentially going to have to deal with razor burn and potentially sensitive skin. And depending on what products you're using or um, or what equipment you're using. Right. You're you're at risk for razor burn or nicks and cuts in places that you don't probably want nicks and cuts. Right. Um, So there is certainly that to consider. And you just got to work on finding the right products. Right. Right. So it's one more thing to think about. And and investigate and 
perhaps trial and error. And these, some of these products, you know, some of the shavers and uh, personal grooming equipment is not inexpensive. Uh, so you may have to go through a couple of different tools, if you will, to, right. to get to the one that is actually working for you. Right. Um, so, and I think when it comes to waxing, probably one of the biggest hangups for a lot of people and potential cons is just, um, like we alluded to, this is generally not what you're doing to your own body. You generally need the aid of a professional for this. And so trying to find the right place to have this done and deciding Am I comfortable enough to go to a professional place to have this done? I mean, you know, frankly, we're we're comfortable with the thought of a doctor. For seeing, the most part. For the most part, right? <laughs> a doctor seeing these sensitive parts of our bodies. But you've got to decide, am I okay with this kind of professional mm-hmm. seeing this part right. of my body? And just obviously, you want to find the right place to do this. Yes. And carefully investigate that. So... I I think those are cons. Maybe there's more cons. And again, we're not prescribing one way or the other. We're just trying to get you to think, what are the pros and cons? But I think the place to land with this is that the end of this question was he stated, how can this not be a weird conversation? Well, but what's wrong with weird conversations? (laughs) We have them all the time. Well, right, and we're going to encourage you to have the weird conversations. Yeah. It, it if it's if you're having this conversation with your beloved, I mean, look, they've already seen you naked. They've already seen all of you. They've already experienced all of you. There what's the, what is the next step logically is that it should not take much effort or be it doesn't have to be weird. Right. If you're having this conversation with the one whom you're covenantly bound to. Right. So we would encourage you as always to lean into that uncomfortableness and see the beauty of vulnerability. This is one more place to know and be known Mm -hmm. by your beloved. So having the conversation about why you would or would not, what are your pros and cons, both for your own body and for your beloved's body. Um, And so you need to learn your whys. Yeah. Not just, I don't like it. I don't know. You got to dig deeper than that. Exactly. It, it's it's never okay just to simply reject. Mm-hmm. Um, you you need to lean into why. What is my motivation for rejecting, and what is my motivation for wanting right. to change something? Right. Um, uh, you need to lean into that because that's where the real conversation happens. That's where the real vulnerability happens. That's where intimacy happens. Right. I mean, when we're willing to share what our desires are, when we're willing to even ask for change, when we're willing to listen to our spouse's request for change in a non-judgmental and open way, that is intimacy. That's exactly right. And that's what this is all about. I'll amen to that. (laughs) All right, Matt, give us our wrap up. Genital grooming and hygiene can be a sensitive topic of conversation because it may trigger feelings of deep shame or rejection. There are many benefits of genital grooming and hygiene, including improved experiences giving and receiving sex. However, there are, of course, some important logistical considerations and other potential downsides. Whatever the topic of conversation, though, lean into the awkwardness so that you can learn more about your spouse and their desires, wants, and wishes. Now it's time to grab your spouse in your Bible and head to your kitchen table to have the conversation about each other's grooming habits. 
What details could you both pay more attention to in order to promote promote more oneness and pleasure within your marriage? Thanks for listening, subscribing, rating, sharing, and for all your support. Until next time, keep striving and don't settle. Thank you for listening. If you have something to add, we would invite your feedback, questions, and suggestions via our email, podcast at intimatecovenant.com. To submit anonymous questions and feedback, visit our website, intimatecovenant.com backslash podcast. Click on the button, contact the podcast for an anonymous submission form. In addition to this podcast, Intimate Covenant offers group Bible studies, private couples coaching, premarital counseling, weekend seminars, and an annual marriage retreat. We would love to continue the conversation about God's plan for intimate marriage and holy sexuality with you and your friends. If you're interested in bringing us to your church or small group, please contact us, podcast at intimatecovenant.com. May God continue to bless your marriage.